again. The tying run comes to the plate. So two outs, runner at first, and Dylan Carlson. One and two on Carlson. Locked him up with a curveball. Ten strikeouts for Corbin Burns. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Gather in, gather in. We got a rain in all the stations now. After the Brewer game just wrapped up, Brewers post game just finishing all across our affiliates. Solid game today. You know, after the first inning, I'm sitting here at my computer and I'm thinking, Ugh, are the Brewers going to lay a complete and total dud today? And then I'm going to have to talk about it. Shoot. Shoot. There's nothing worse than a really bad afternoon game. I've said this on the show, I don't know, maybe a dozen times. When you build out your afternoon based on the idea that you're going to have a baseball game to watch, when you come into work, coffee and briefcase in hand, knowing it's okay, Grant. Yeah, this week is crummy and you got things to do today, but you know what? At least you can listen to the game on the radio in your office, or at least you can pull the game up on your laptop while you're doing expense reports. I don't know. I have a very bad point of reference for what people do with normal jobs, jobs that actually matter, unlike this one. But like when you build your afternoon around the expectation that you're going to have a Brewers game to watch or to listen to, and then they lay an egg, oh, that sucks. That's the worst. And after the top of the first inning, Cardinals went up to nothing, and the second run came in on just a hilarious, just terrible comedy of a play with a bunch of bad throws and... The guy backing up, the guy backing up, couldn't make the play, and it was a mess. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, God, we're going to do this today. But then the Brewers won. It was okay. Really fun, competitive game, back-and-forth game, which we like. Right, I've talked about this. I like a seesaw game. That's a good sign for the Brewers, that they can fall behind and come back or take a lead and then give up the lead and then come back and take the lead again, right? That's a good sign. I like seeing the Brewers win games with some depth. Because the Brewers have a very specific path to victory, right? They jump out to a lead. Their starting pitcher goes six scoreless. Then they go Boxberger, Williams, Hader. They close the door and they win, right? And the Brewers are effective at winning games that way if they can get out to a lead. But the Matt LaFleur Packers in 2019, very good at jumping out to a lead and then holding on, right? And we saw how that ended in the playoffs. We saw how that ended for the Brewers in the playoffs last year. You need to be a little bit more versatile. You need to be able to win different ways. And today was a different type of game. For the Brewers. Nice that they got to win. What did they win today? Five to three, six to four. They won by two runs. Got an insurance run from Jace Peterson, a Badger Mutual insurance run. I don't know if that sponsorship changed, but I will always think of insurance runs as Badger Mutual insurance runs. Brewers winning six to four as I get the box score pulled up. Good, good show prep, Grant. Way to be prepared. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Jason Alexander moves to two and oh on the season. You know, I was on the Bill Michaels show yesterday with Ben Kenny, and he was throwing some shade the way of Jason Alexander, basically saying he's been really good up until this point. The bottom's going to drop out. He's due for a bad start. And I'm not going to say that I disagreed with him. I'm not the world's biggest Jason Alexander fan. And I'm not trying to say that Ben was wrong. All I'm saying is that the Jason Alexanders of the world, the Chi-Chi Gonzalez's of the world, the Hobie Milner's of the world, the Jace Peterson's of the world— these players that we have just a small ask, just give us a little, just give us this. Great Council and the Brewers are very good at getting what they need from the Jason Alexanders of the world. 
and the Hobie Milners and the Jace Petersons of the world. Very good at getting what they need from guys like that. It's very often the more elite guys, the bigger name guys that aren't holding up their end of the bargain, at least when the Brewers don't play well. Today, another example of that. And then Devin Williams and Josh Hader were brilliant. Brad Boxberger with some really tough innings. I see that I have a text from Ben Kenny. Do you think he's listening? <laughs> ben, I'm not calling you out. He says, if it lasts another start, I'll make a public apology. It continues to make no sense. Well, the thing is, it's not like Jason Alexander came out and blew the world away. Jason Alexander doesn't have to play that good to be a useful player. He just needs to come out and eat some innings, right? And the defense, for the most part, has played pretty good behind him. Like Adrian Hauser came out against the Mets last week, and the defense refused to get him an out. Just absolutely refused to get him an out. Jason Alexander, for the most part, other than the ball getting thrown around down the third baseline in the first inning. By the way, I think he was part of that, right? Jason Alexander just sailed one past the third baseman. He's like, yeah, I'm going to gun out Goldschmidt. No, you're not. Hold on to the ball, buddy. Just chill out. Chill out a little bit. Take it easy. The defense, for the most part, has played well behind Jason Alexander, which certainly helps. And he's getting run support. He's not blowing the, the world away. And I, it's funny that Ben is listening. I'm not trying to call Ben out for being wrong. Unless, Ben, you thought Jason Alexander was going to get shelled for six runs. Then I guess you were wrong. But it's not like Jason Alexander has been blowing the world away. I want to talk big picture about Brewers, Brewers Cardinals. We're going to do that. I want to talk about the Brewers defense tonight. We haven't really talked much about it. It's not great. <laughs> and I think that matters. Maybe not right now, but the Packers special teams really didn't matter in the regular season. It doesn't matter until it matters. And at some point, the way this Brewers defense is playing, it's going to matter. So it's something we should talk about. I also want to talk about the middle of the order because comparing the middle of the order with the Brewers and the Cardinals, it's a night and day difference. And the Brewers would be wise to try to put together some middle of the order that presents pop like the Cardinals. Now, they're not going to be able to add Arenado and Goldschmidt. I don't know that any team in the league is. But I don't think the Brewers need to bring in five new bats to transform their offense. If you can get one guy you count on to pair in the middle of the order with whoever's hot, well, you can have something similar. And as we see with the Cardinals, it makes life easier for everyone else on the batting order. So I want to do all of those things with the Brewers. I want to do an NBA draft preview at 530. It will be our last NBA lounge of this year, of our fiscal year, our NBA fiscal year. I've decided this week that our... Fiscal year for NBA coverage on the Wisco Sports Show ends this week. So this will be our last NBA lounge until our next fiscal year picks back up. And I don't I don't know when that will be. Maybe an emergency NBA lounge if there's some big trades in the next couple of weeks. But this will be the last one. We're going to preview the draft tonight, what the Bucks might do, and look at some prospects. Only Big Ten prospects. We're only talking Big Ten. So that's coming up at 530. Give me a text or a call. 608-796-2558. I'm on Twitter. At Wisco Grant. The aforementioned Ben Kenny is on Twitter as well, at Ben Z. Kenny. I see he just tweeted out the preview for Kenny and Heilprin, which is coming up tonight at 6 o'clock. Best fits for Johnny Davis. And how will Davis's college and NBA career affect recruiting? Just some of the things they're talking about tonight, uh, at least according to Ben's tweet. So that's coming up, remember, at 6 o'clock as well. It would be very easy for us to be down on the Brewers. I know they won today, split against St. Louis, despite how it looked in the middle. is actually pretty good. I know it would be easy to be down on the Brewers. They've had a miserable two weeks against San Diego and Philly and then Washington of all teams. Three three-city road trips in a row, which no one can stop talking about. Like B.A. and The Rock are talking about it too. I've never seen that before. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't have a good historical memory for, 
or road trips and how long they last, but I guess that's an outlier. That's how you know you're a contender is you start complaining about things like that. When you've been a contender for a couple of years in a row, you start complaining about the schedule. Very Coach K-like. Again, hat tip to Ben Kenny. The Brewers have been injured. Starting pitching aside, they've missed Woody and Peralta and Ashby. Hater has missed time here and there. Narvaez, Renfro both went down. When was the last time Urias, Adamas, and Wong were all healthy and playing together? Has it happened at any point this season? I'm sure maybe for a day or two, but never for long stretches have those two, the entire infield minus first base, those guys have not been healthy at the same time. And lately, it seems like everything that can go wrong is going wrong. It's a lot of bad luck. If you listen to Eric Lauer after the game last night and Craig Council, they both kind of said the same thing. It's like, look, we're doing a lot of good things. I'm making a lot of good pitches, but I'm getting unlucky here. I made one bad pitch here, and that cost me. That ruined the rest of my start. It's, it's just not great, right? It hasn't been a lot of good luck. But, but, as we spoke about with Andrew Wagner yesterday, this might not matter in the end. In fact, maybe it's a good thing the Brewers are working through these lumps, working through injuries, working through bad luck. Because if the last couple World Series champs have told us anything, May and June and July, actually not that important and not predictive at all for who's going to get hot in September and make a run in the postseason. We're still months away. Let's talk to Binks on French Island. 608-796-2558. Binks, feels good to beat the Cardinals, doesn't it? Always feels good to beat the Cardinals. Oh, it's a great yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you did talk about offense. They're not going to go out and get any p- significant pieces, I don't think. But I have a question, and I haven't had – I know I called in uh, a lot here lately, but one question I have is I know that Wong, is, uh, he hurt himself practicing or something. Is that right? Is that accurate? I don't know. It feels like he's been out for two months. This is this is the crazy thing. When okay. somebody goes on the IL, Binks, oh, 10 days, 12 days, and then it feels like they're off for yeah. two months. Isn't that nuts? Like, we convince ourselves at the front end they're going to be back in a GIF, and then it feels like we're going months without him. I'll look it up. I'm not sure. And he, and he's, but he's like, when he came to Milwaukee, I was excited because I'm like, here's a bona fide leadoff hitter. Here's a guy who's got a, he's got gold gloves, does he not? Oh, yeah. Um, and and all of a sudden, like, I'm sorry, man, but he's playing like a turd, even when he's healthy. Hold on, hold on, you know? hold on, hold on. Okay. I have that drop. I wasn't on the right. I got he it. He was just a turd out there. You know, you couldn't kick him. He couldn't run, you know. He was just a, a turd. Yes, he did experience a setback. Uh, this is yesterday from Adam McKelvey. What was I doing when this news broke? 9.40 p.m. Eastern. Oh, I, I was fishing last night, and then I came home and watched a movie after the Brewer game, so I wasn't I wasn't checking. Good call. I, I missed that. Yeah, I guess Wong has a setback. So, you know, you got this. You know, I thought he was a stud when he was with St. Louis. He always dealt that to us just almost as bad as Goldsmith. Maybe not as bad power-wise, but he's got good defense. We know that, but... Not this year. Not this year at all. His defense has been... T- I was looking Not at, uh, this year at all. What, 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 what stat was I looking at? You're going to like this. Um, what's OAA stand for? Hold on. I swear I wrote this down, Binks. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Outs above average, according to StatCast. Uh, Colton Wong okay. is ranked 265th in Major League Baseball in that category. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't even... Okay. So anyway, that was my that's my piece today, man. And 
I hope you can hear me. I'm driving home. Oh, you sound great. Uh, to, you know, I, you probably want to know the weather. There's a couple clouds, you know, that's it. So <laughs> I, appreciate, uh, but, I appreciate that. But, <laughs> yeah, hey, anyway, have a good night. No uh, no Brewers uh, tonight. But uh, you said this is the last of the Bucks draft coming up uh, to Tomorrow night, is that right? The NBA draft is tonight. Uh, on tonight's show, we tonight. will have our, our last NBA lounge of the year, and we're going to do a draft preview. Okay. All right. I will do my best to uh, brush up on that Wisconsin uh, edifice of, of sports. I love that. All right. Thanks, Binks. Enjoy the night. All right, man. Have a good one. That's Binks on French Island. Thank you for the weather update, by the way. Normally, that's only when there's severe weather, but that seems kind of picky and choosy. Maybe... I should be more well-rounded in my weather content. Yeah, the Brewers' defense has been bad. Uh, we're going to talk about that at some point tonight. It might not matter. It might, it might not matter as long as it, get, it gets better. It might not matter right now. Let me say that. Right, And, and this is kind of my message to start today's show before we take our first break here. And this is something that Andrew Wagner did an awesome job of pointing out yesterday. It's June. And I know it's tough to watch this offense sometimes when they get cold. And it's frustrating the way in which all of these guys are injured at once. But fast forward two months, this Brewers team could look like a night and day difference of what it is now, right? Look at the Nationals a couple of years ago. They were like 30 and 15 or 15 and 30 to start the year. Yeah, the opposite. They had twice the amount of losses and they did wins. Didn't matter. The Braves started really slow. Then most of their season, they stunk last year. So maybe we should just relax a little bit. And yeah, they're frustrating to watch sometimes. We can get over that. Enjoy the good days like today. And just wait as this team puts the pieces together, gets healthy, figures things out. And hopefully, unlike the last, I don't know, 30 years of their existence, they can get hot at the right time rather than getting white hot in June. When, yeah, it's fun to watch and talk about, but ultimately doesn't really matter in contending for a World Series. Let's take a break. Talk more about that. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers won today. Vibes are good. Vibes are good. A little worried after the first inning, and you could cue the silent movie music the ball was getting thrown all over the outfield hey not good is jason alexander about to look mortal for the first time since starting for the brewers they were able to come back and win put some runs on the board really good pitching performances from boxberger williams and hater oh those three are great if you can get to those three with the lead brewers are going to win a lot of games this year it's been you know getting to those three with a lead that's been the been the issue 608-796-2558 give me a call or a text if you'd like to chat brewers get a chance of nba draft starting at 5 30 i've done two things here today with my show prep we're gonna have an nba lounge in which we only look at and talk about big 10 players so there's an iowa player a purdue player at the top of the draft johnny davis not far behind uh, a couple of Ohio State prospects that are very interesting. Max Christie from Michigan State is probably the one I'm least interested in. But we're going to talk about all those guys and a couple of picks that I like for the Bucks. I'm not going to do a deep dive, annoying, like, height, weight, three cone 
drill time thing. That's not what we're going to do. But if you got nothing going on tonight and you're like, eh, whatever, I'll watch the draft. Let's just, let's, we'll gather together for a half hour and we'll throw out some names just so when we go home, we can have our names. And if one of those guys gets picked, we can go like, ah, oh, we talked about that on the show today. That's interesting. We get to watch this play. You know what I mean? Just make a thing out of the NBA draft. So we're going to do a Big Ten player preview and a couple of picks that I like for the Bucks. The Bucks will probably pick none of them because that's always how this goes. I want to talk about the Brewers' defense just for a couple of minutes here before 5 o'clock. Our talking points about the Brewers this season have been the offense every day, morning, noon, and night, 24-7. Uh, injuries, it's been a big part of this, right? I mean, We were just talking about Colton Wong. Bing's called in and let me know. Yeah, Grant, he had a setback. I don't know if you knew. I did not know, so thank you for letting me know. Uh, so his return is not eminent, I believe was the quote that I read. Um, and injuries. So we're talking about that. Potential moves. That'll become more of a thing as we get closer to the trade deadline. And a lot of Yelich, right? Moving to the leadoff spot. Ben Kenny dropping some truth bombs on Twitter today. I sense some sarcasm in here, but I think the number's accurate. Only 23 hitters in baseball have more hits than Yelich since he moved to leadoff. And he tweets, and the rest of the Brewers lineup won't help him out. Sad. Yeah, Jace Peterson. God, I love Jace Peterson. Where would this team be without him? What a funny, bizarre player. A Craig Council player. Craig Council guy through and through. Those are the things we've been talking about with the Brewers this season. You know, one thing we haven't talked much about, defense. Defense, defense, defense. Defense in baseball is a lot like special teams in football. Third priority behind the offense and the defense. We take it for granted. But then when you play close games against really good teams, it starts to matter. It can be the difference. We saw that in Super Bowl 31, the way the Packers were just chewing up field position. Desmond Howard scores you an extra six points, right? It was the difference in the Niners game back in January. I mean, that and the fact that the offense just completely stuck both hands up its butt. But, you know, whatever. Uh, Special teams as well. Um, Defense is really, really important. Especially when you're starting guys like Jason Alexander and Adrian Hauser, who don't have the stuff of Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. There's going to be balls on the ground. Last week, game one against the Mets. They're kicking the ball all over the place. Jace Peterson, who's actually been very good, so I don't mean to drag him into this, couldn't make a play at third, and then there was a deflected ball past second base, and it was just a gong show. And then the first inning today, right? It can make a difference. It's the difference between giving up three runs in a tough inning and escaping only giving up one run, right? Today, I was looking at StatCast's outs above average. If you go to Baseball Savant, it's really easy to find. Just Google outs above average. Uh, click the first thing that comes up, and you can organize players and rank them and see who saved the most runs. It's kind of fun to play with. Brewers are 23rd. 23rd. Now, they were 25th coming into this week. I think every game that Colton Wong doesn't play, that number's gone up because Colton Wong's been miserable this year. 265th Colton Wong ranks individually. Uh, in that metric, that's that's really nice. That's 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 good stuff. The Brewers are minus eleven, meaning they've given away eleven more runs than they've saved. The Padres are number one; they have saved twenty-seven runs. For example, if the Brewers were plus five instead of minus eleven, would that translate to another win or two, maybe three? Right. Again, to hype up Jace Peterson and the job he's done, uh, he is twenty-third in runs prevented. It's pretty darn good. 23rd in runs prevented in all of baseball. And he's your, what, third string, third baseman? I forget Mike Brasso's still hurt. God, this whole team's hurt. It's a hospital ward, this team, especially starting pitching. I just want to see Urias, Adamas, and Colton Wong all playing at the same time. Is that too much to ask? 
We're past Flag Day now. We're almost to the 4th of July. We still barely seen those three play together. I'm not sure they've played together, actually. If it was, it was for a very, very short time. Again, not sure. Maybe we'll have to go back and look through the stats. I don't know. One night I can't sleep. I'll go back and do the research. We'll talk more Brewers coming up. Remember, Draft Talk, the last NBA lounge of the year. You're not going to want to miss that. People will be saying, where were you during the final NBA lounge of 2022? Well, you need to be here. It's our draft preview. That's coming up in a half hour. And again, the tying run comes to the plate. So two outs, runner at first, and Dylan Carlson. One and two on Carlson. Locked him up with a curveball. Ten strikeouts for Corbin Burns. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Can I just... Oh, I need to share something. I'm so excited. I need to share something with you guys. Um, I have nothing going on tonight. I have nothing. I have no social engagement. Uh, I have no extra work that needs to be done. I have no appointments. I have... I have nothing. I have... A, I have nothing. And I'm so excited about this because for the last couple of years on the night of the NBA draft, I've always had something. I've always had some reason to not watch, some reason to not experience the draft, just some reason to be doing something other than sitting down with my fullest attention and watching the NBA draft. And what stinks is I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts and I like consuming NBA media. And I've always felt the last couple of years You know, when I listen to XYZ podcast and I watch this radio show and I read this writer, well, draft night was like this. And I'm like, I wasn't watching because I had to do this or I was hanging out with this friend or blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Not tonight, baby. (laughs) I'm going to get home. I'll lock the door in my apartment. No one's coming in or out. Recliner (laughs) unfolded laptop on my lap. Maybe some chips and salsa. I got a frozen pizza in the freezer. Maybe I'll bust that out. I also have, I got groceries the other day, so I could cook. I could, oh, 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 the world is my oyster tonight. So I'm so excited. I know this seems like a little thing, but I haven't been able to watch the NBA draft the last couple of years, just for random reasons. And ever since Monday, I've been thinking about my week. I got to do this and that. Okay, it's all, it's lining up. It's all coming together, folks. It is, oh, I know this has nothing to do with you, but man, am I excited. I can't wait. Oh, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. Oh, this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. One hour from Kenny and Heilprin. Zach Heilprin and Ben Kenny will follow this program. They're going to talk about Johnny Davis, where he's going to go in the NBA draft or where he could go. Um, you know, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, Zach and Ben could have asked me to come on and talk about it. It seems like something that's up my alley, but hey, I'm not going to go into someone else's kitchen and tell them how to cook. That's fine. You know, I don't tell them how to plan their show. They don't tell me how to plan mine. It's fine. One day, I just, I hope to be, hope to be asked on, on that program. I've been just nudging Zach for years to get me on the camp or the swing or whatever, you know, one of his many successful and very informative, I might add, podcasts. Um, that invite has not yet come. I, I figured at some point over these last two years, they'd say, well, you know what? Grant watched Johnny Davis play in high school. Um, and obviously now he hosts a show. He's a big NBA guy. Maybe his opinion, maybe his thoughts could be valuable. But I, again, I, I digress. Um, really quick story time, by the way, uh, before we get back into the Brewers. 
So remember a couple of years ago, maybe you don't remember, probably a lot of you don't remember this. Okay, let me start this over. A couple of years ago, Lacrosse Central played Minnehaha Academy at UWL. They had this, I don't remember what it was called, Players Classic or something. There was a team from, I don't think it was Sierra Canyon. Uh, They played, I believe, in the Target Center a couple nights before, but there was a collection of really good AAU teams around the country that had kind of condensed in the Midwest. And for one night, a Saturday night in February, right before the pandemic hit, it was in Mitchell Hall. And we got to see Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs, and uh, who's the other one I'm trying to think of? There was a third, but I can't remember. Anyways, Jalen Suggs, Chet Holmgren versus Johnny Davis in Lacrosse Central. It was electric. And me being the... uh, the young budding broadcaster that I am, I'm trying to meet people. There's a lot of people in town. So I go down to the floor and I talk to XYZ analysts and I said, hey, you were actually on my show a while back. And I shook that person's hand and they really didn't give me the time of day, which was kind of dejecting, but whatever. It's good to make connections anyways. And I, you know, I asked opinions I'm like, hey, what do you think about this player, this player, blah, blah, blah. And the overwhelming consensus, the overwhelming thing I was told, this young, excitable broadcaster from lacrosse, oh, Johnny Davis ain't that. You know, he's a nice player, but, you know, Jalen Suggs, he's a lottery pick, Grant. He has lottery potential. Chet Holmgren has lottery potential. Johnny Davis is a nice player, but he doesn't have lottery potential. And I looked at these guys and I said, oh, aren't you some hot-to-trot elite tool? Look at you in your quarter zip. Why don't you, you going to go ask the, the kids' parents for scoops? Uh, you like that? You like that being your job? I try not to do this on the show. I, I try to be very agreeable with everyone but i remember this they were all they were all very very condescending oh you cover lacrosse central that that must be fun we covered these players they have lottery potential and all i'm saying was i was i was i was spoken down to that night and i felt a little bad about myself but i bounced back i was like well whatever you know i think johnny's really good i think he could be a lottery player one day and now <laughs> now years later i go on twitter today and what do i see i see some of these same individuals posting articles posting content from blogs or certain publications. You know, it's getting posted on Twitter. And it's stories about the night Johnny Davis was born as a star. Mitchell Hall versus Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs. It's like, wait, 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 wait. You, you, used, you used that game as some way to talk down to, to this college kid because he doesn't know anything. You don't watch AAU tournaments. You couldn't pay me to go to AAU tournaments. That sounds like the worst job in the world. Okay, first of all. And and wait, now, after being wrong, telling this young budding broadcaster that Johnny Davis, your favorite player, he doesn't have lottery potential. Well, not only does he have lottery potential, he's going to be a lottery pick. And now two years later, you're going to take a victory lap as if you were right all along? I just, I just, I just, I just, I, Dios mios, it's never ending. Anyways, we're going to, I didn't expect to tell that story, but we're going to talk NBA draft in about a half hour. Johnny Davis going to be selected tonight. I think probably 9, 10, 11, 12 range, somewhere in the late lottery. I have a couple of spots that I really like for him, places I'd like to see him go. We'll talk about that. We're also going to do a little bit of a draft preview, but because it's such a broad thing, we're not going to go over all of the first-round players. We're only going to do Big Ten guys. Seemed like that would be fun. So talk about Jalen Ivey, Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Excuse me. We'll talk about... uh, now I lost my confidence. I don't want to get more names wrong. We'll talk about Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, uh, two Ohio State guys, EJ Liddell, who I actually sneaky kind of like for the Bucks, uh, and his teammate on that same team, the true freshman Malachi Branham. 
And uh, a couple of guys I like for the Bucks as well. That's coming up in a half hour. But first, got to kind of close the door on the Brewers. They beat the Cardinals today in the type of game that I love, right? It's good to see the Brewers win all the time. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. A win is a win, and I will take it and celebrate it. But sometimes when the Brewers win a game 3-1, to 2-0, to as they did earlier this week, it, it gives me pause, makes me hesitate just a little bit, because that sometimes seems like the only way that they can win games. Monday night is a great example, right? Brewers jump out to a 2-0 lead with a Tyrone Taylor home run. You can kind of see the path to victory. Now all that needs to happen is Corbin Burns has an elite start, gets you through six or seven, gets you to the bullpen with Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. Now they need to be elite and close the door, and you can win two to nothing. Boom, that's the Brewers' recipe to win. And I'll take those wins. That's great. But as I, I think about the playoffs and think about playing really good teams, you need to be able to win different ways, right? If the Brewers fall behind 3-0 early, they can't use that recipe to win. They can't just ride out their starting pitching into the back-end bullpen, right? That's not going to work. So in a game like today where they fall behind 2-0, they come back and tie it or they take the lead and it's a back and forth, that's why I like seeing seesaw games because it shows me that the Brewers are not just a one-trick pony that only needs one home run and then elite pitching through the ninth. I like seeing them win in different ways. And today was that. And anytime you beat this offense that has Goldschmidt and Arenado, it's nuts. It's pretty nuts to watch. And that you could be in the fifth inning and you're looking at the Cardinals lineup, who's due up next and who's coming up for the Brewers. And you're thinking, okay, so in the seventh, Goldschmidt and Arenado are going to come back up. Like the meat of this order has you thinking three, four innings in advance. And I thought, well, not four innings because, you know, that's mathematically impossible. But you get the point, right? You build an entire game and an entire strategy around those two guys. I thought B.A. and The Rock did a really good job talking about that. The way in which it stresses pitching, it stresses the manager to plan ahead and think, do I want Jason Alexander to go back out there for another inning, see these guys for a third time? It also makes life easier on Lars Newtbar, who, by the way, former lacrosse logger, had a great game today at American Family Field for lacrosse day. How appropriate is that? Juan Yepes, Nolan Gorman, their life is so much easier with that one-two punch in the middle of the order. Or I guess the 3-4 punch or 2-3, I don't remember where they hit. Eric is on I-90, 608-796-2558. What's up, Eric? Hey, I was. I, I know I'm a little bit early for the NBA lounge. No, you're all sounds good. Sounds like you have a lot. Okay, can you explain the lottery pick system to the guy who doesn't know? That would be me. Yeah. Um, not, not precisely, but essentially, the worse that you play, the higher odds you get. It's basically like you have a big bin of ping pong balls, and the worst teams have more ping pong balls. You know what I mean? So having a certain oh. record doesn't guarantee you a pick. It guarantees you a certain chance to get a pick, which is kind of exciting because, like, the eighth worst team still has a shot to get a, a one or a two or a three pick, which is fun. It almost never happens, but it does happen. That's essentially how it works, right? The worse your record is, the higher chance you have to get a good pick. And they did that weeks ago. So you get more ping pong balls than the worse you are. Yes, you get a higher chance. It's a nice visual for us who, who struggle with math. I like to see it physically. Like, oh, you have this many ping pong. That helps me understand. As dumb as it is. <laughs> well, you, you, simplify, you simplified it, and that's the only way to really explain anything, right? Yeah. Well, you're yeah. you're an engineer. That's right. what you do for a living. You make diagrams, and you have to draw things out. If there's a problem that you don't understand, what do you do? You draw it out. That's what I learned in school. Right. You do. You do draw it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
there's just one other thing I want to talk about. If I could have a seminar on problem solving, I would play the last part of your show last night when you had a caller calling in oh. when you had a guest. Oh, and I thought it was awesome. I thought it was hilarious, but I think you did an awesome job. I felt a little bad for Tom because I think what Tom did was he was listening in his car or in his house and he heard the prompt and then he waited 10 minutes to call me. I think he must have went to sit down on his porch or whatever. So he's trying to call me and he doesn't know that I'm on the phone with the guest because he's not listening. And I felt a little bad because Tom's the nicest guy in the world and he I, he picks up the phone and I'm, I'm already mad at him and he doesn't know for what. So now he's on. It was. Yeah, it was entertaining, but I feel a little bit bad for Tom and Andrew, who graciously agreed to join me. And now he's hearing beeping, and it was just a, it was a whole thing. No, I think you did an awesome job. Uh, uh, Tom, and you can tell that Tom's like, I, I don't, he has no idea you're pulling your hair out. No, I'm, I'm going nuts. You know what? He had no clue. He was sitting on his you're porch enjoying the breeze, waiting to talk to me. He's got no idea what's going on. Right, he was going to have a nice conversation with Grant Bill. You're pulling your hair out. You're about to snap. There's nothing better than somebody who's about to snap and they pull it back in. <laughs> yeah, that's and me. That was you yesterday, Grant. <laughs> um, so, that Eric, was awesome. Eric, can I, uh, unless you had something else to add, there's one thing I want to tell you before we conclude our conversation. Um, and it's about what we talked about yesterday. Sure. Do you remember what we chatted about yesterday? What did we chat about yesterday? North versus South Lacrosse. Do you remember this? Right, 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 right. Yep. So I got a text from Rock and Rick. Okay, and he agrees yep. with me that the line is State Room. It, it's State Street, so the corner of of uh, Maine downtown where State oh. Room is. I really botched that. I was very confusing the way I said it. So he says that's where the line. Right. I, I still contend that there's like a downtown area that is neither north or south. I don't think the south side starts until you get past the brewery. That's all downtown to me. You need to get down to Gunderson before you're on the south side. I know most of our listeners don't care, but this was hanging with me last night, so I wanted to follow up. Well, I would say it's absolutely correct as far as addresses are concerned, uh, because okay. that would be north third and south third. Actually, but I would say that's what Rock and Rick said. He, he added, "That's how addresses work." So I think literally, you're yes, you guys are on the same page there. I think we're on the same page, but you know, I guess it doesn't matter that much. You could Lacrosse is a pretty unified town. There's there used to be a lot more rivalry, you know, especially in high school sports. Yeah, uh, between the north side and the south side, and now they've kind of coagulated that. You know, nice word. the school district a little bit, right? Yeah. Is that what that word so, means? Well, we can, you, you can call it whatever you want to, Grant. It's fine. <laughs> I think. Thank you, Eric. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else I need to tell you, but no, I, I think that about does it for today. What, did you catch any fish? Uh, no, I, did, I didn't. Uh, it was a bummer. I was, kin okay, to, to be honest, seeing you asked. I was convinced, and I was set in my ways on trying to catch my first trout on a dry fly for the summer. So I kept throwing the same oh, okay. fly, and it wasn't working. I probably could have changed and tried something else, but I was so set in my ways and stubborn that I, I would rather catch no fish than tie on something else. You didn't want to give in. You wanted to keep trying. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. 
but it didn't work. So, no, I didn't catch it. Oh, where, where did you go? Where did you go by chance? Well, or, or well, uh, well, seeing you ask, you're, you're from the area. I, uh, I went towards Viroqua, in between Viroqua and Westby, uh, in this beautiful little wide spot in the road by the name of Avalanche on the western fork of the Kickapoo River. Oh, nice, nice. That's a nice area. Oh, it's beautiful. I almost you, feel bad you, mentioning it. Yeah, it was a little bit less than an hour. I, I applied myself. I went for it last night. So you drove through Vespi then? See, I don't, again, we're just adding on portions of this conversation that no one else cares about. I didn't drive through Vespi. I took cut across road to Neprude Lane and then drove down Three Chimneys Road and got back on the main drag down there. I, I take the cutoff in between. Nice. Nice. Sounds like you know your way around. Well, have a good day, Grant. You too, Eric. God damn it. I feel like four minutes of that, three, four minutes of that was things that they were very niche. Um, things that probably no one cared about. Speaking of niche, we're going to preview the NBA draft coming up. Uh, not niche because Johnny Davis is going to be a lottery pick tonight. The Bucks have a first round selection, so we're going to talk about that. And in this draft preview, I've gone out of my way to only focus on Big Ten players, guys that we watched, guys that played against the Badgers. So I think that's going to be perfect. That's coming up in about 10 minutes, about 10 more minutes of Brewers before we get there. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Last NBA Lounge of the year coming up in a few minutes. We're going to preview the draft. Big Ten guys, spots for Johnny Davis, players we like for the Bucks. asking questions. We will have answers. That's coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes. I'm so amped for the NBA draft tonight because I love the NBA and I like learning about NBA prospects to a certain degree. I'm not making my big board and learning about all these guys, but I like consuming NBA content. And this time of year, that means listening to scouts, give their opinions on guys and talking about which team at the top of the lottery should take which guy. The last couple of years, I've had something going on on draft night. This is the first time in, maybe this is the first time ever in my adult life that I'm actually going to sit down and commit a whole night to this. Oh, and I'm just, I'm amped. I know I have a box of popcorn in the cupboard and I could make a bag for myself. I have a frozen pizza. It's a Buffalo chicken frozen pizza too. It's not like, a $2 jacks, which are good, but it's something like a step up. I think it's from the Walmart deli. So my night is, uh, <laughs> not, to, not to make this about me, but my night's, uh, I got a lot in front of me tonight. Let's just say that. In the meantime, we're talking Brewers, 608-796-2558. Rain Man Mike texts in. Rain Man Mike says, great game for the crew today, Grant. You're absolutely right on in winning different ways. Great change of pace from homers and good pitching. You couldn't write a script any better than today's game. Leaving bases loaded to have runners thrown out at the plate. Getting bitten by the replay bug. Clicking on all cylinders today. Go crew. Baseball is king. Isn't that amazing how our opinion of the sport of baseball as a whole can change based on whether our team is good and or winning? Like the Brewers will get shut out. They'll lose two to nothing and all for the entire next day. Think baseball sucks. There's no action. Pitching's too overpowered. Nobody can hit. Nobody can play small ball anymore. That sports sucks. 
And then my team will have a great game the next day and the game will be good. I don't know how anyone couldn't like baseball. I mean, how do you, <laughs> how are you a sports fan and you just can't, you don't watch games every day? How do you miss out on this? Which, by the way, is also how I feel about hockey now. Uh, I am a day one hockey fan, day one being about a week and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, last night's game was excellent. I was watching, I wasn't tweeting about it. I have nothing to add. I just, I want credit for, for watching it. Yeah, the Brewers' win today was nice. I like seeing them win in different ways. I think of the game against the Braves last year in game one of the NLDS. I think they won two to nothing because if I remember correctly, Rowdy Telez hit a two-run home run in the sixth or the seventh, and then Corbin Burns, Williams, Hayter, Boxberger, they all closed it down. Very classic Brewers' win. And it's great that they can win games that way. It's great that they can win games when their offense barely gives them anything. But they can't win that way every night or today, every day, right? You just can't win that way. In games like today, it's nice to see. Willie Adamas hit a home run as well, not just Tyrone Taylor. I don't want this to come across like uh, a complaint. But I I do got to say, Willie Adamas would be so much better and his numbers would be so much better if he could hit some of these home runs when there are guys on base, like it was the same a couple of weeks ago against the Phillies. He comes up with the bases loaded. No, can't do it. He came up with the bases loaded today. Strikeout. And then he comes up next to bat, hits a jack. I'm like, okay, I can't reasonably expect a grand slam every game. But all too often, it feels like Willie Adamas's home runs always come when there's nobody on base. <laughs> like, damn it. It's just one of these could happen when there's two guys on. The Brewers also had the bases loaded and failed to score. Ugh, it's just so classic. Strikeout and then grounding into a double play. I think it was Rowdy who grounded into the double play. That sucked. I felt like they, they got the wind sucked out of their sails. But Dakota Hudson today, a great example of what they needed to do against Wayno last night and couldn't do. Put pressure on the pitcher. Be patient. Make them work. Make them dig themselves out of a hole. Make them Because Wainwright, this is the case, you have a lot of pitchers in Major League Baseball that aren't Corbin Burns. Right, Corbin Burns, and there's plenty of others. But Corbin Burns, DeGrom, there's lots of starters that have unbelievable stuff. Guys who've really broken out, let's say, in the last two or three years. Because now as a starting pitcher, the expectation is that you throw 98. You throw 98 mile an hour fastballs, right? And you have splitters, you have cutters, everything's high octane, high speed, high rate of spin, right? These are, are elite level pitchers with elite level stuff. And then there's guys like Adam Wainwright. When Adam Wainwright came into the league, it wasn't the expectation that you threw 100 as a starter. You threw 92, and you got through six or seven innings pitching to contact, right? And striking out guys occasionally, but strikeouts weren't the expectation. Now, when you go up against a guy like Adam Wainwright, a guy that doesn't have grade A stuff, someone who can't overpower you with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, the whole M.O. for the, the duration of the outing, whether that be five innings, six innings, however long that Wainwright pitches into the game, make him work. Make him work. Make him work through tough counts. Make him pitch with guys on base behind him. Because Corbin Burns or Josh Hader, another example, or DeGrom or any other elite starting pitcher with 100-mile-an-hour stuff, they can pitch their way out of a jam. If there's guys on first and second, that's fine because they can just strike the guy out. They don't need a ground ball. They don't need a, they don't need a fly ball. They're not going to get burned by the sack fly because they're going to strike guys out. They have this overpowering stuff. You talk about Dakota Hudson or Adam Wainwright, or some of these, not lesser pitchers, but pitchers with lesser stuff. 
Make them throw pitches. Make them work. You saw Dakota Hudson today. He was putting guys on base. He couldn't find the zone. Just couldn't find it. Make them work. You might strand the bases loaded, which sucks. But if you come out and do it the next inning and the next inning and the next inning, the law of big numbers says that you'll eventually break through. And they did today with the big Tyrone Taylor home run. It happened later in the game with a sack fly courtesy of Jace Peterson. Andrew McCutcheon almost scored on a hit to right field. He was gunned down by Lars Newtbar. Lars Newtbar probably had a little, little extra gas today. It was lacrosse day, the 25th anniversary of lacrosse day at American Family Field. Lars Newtbar, logger great. Right, so just a little extra juice to make that throw. And maybe McCutcheon slide next time. I don't really know what that the whole play was very confusing. It's a very confusing play. The point is, the Brewers offense made Dakota Hudson work today. They need to do that more often. Get a lot of knocks on the door. Yeah, you might put two guys on in the second inning and fail to score. That doesn't mean the rest of the game is screwed. Doesn't mean you missed your chance. Come out and do it again and again and again. And eventually you're going to break through because that's just how it works. You get as many at-bats as possible, as many guys on base as possible, and eventually you're going to break through. And the way that the Brewers pitching has been, okay to great at best when Corbin Burns is out there. And how good the back end of your bullpen is, if you just make the opposing pitcher work, especially with some of these lesser teams in the division, you're going to win a lot more games than you lose, right? And you might just find yourself along the way. The Brewers haven't found themselves yet. Maybe that's a good thing. Hopefully they find themselves in early September instead of early June like we've seen for the last decade. I got a couple texts about the Brewers. We'll get to that coming up next. Ooh, I see an NBA draft text from Sully. That's exciting. We're going to do the NBA Lounge NBA Draft Preview coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. I think we covered a lot of ground with the Brewers, right? We said all that needed to be said. They split the series. They have split the season series with the Cardinals. 3-3, tied up until this point. The Brewers are still figuring themselves out, and the Cardinals are too, right? Just remember, the last couple of years, we felt great about the Brewers at this time, right? It's not that I don't feel good about the Brewers. They haven't shown us a 30-game hot streak yet. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's okay. The regular season is for piecing it together, figuring it out. You want to be playing your best baseball at the end of the season. And it's not impossible to get hot in June and in September, but the Brewers historically, going all the way back to 2010, have been getting hot in June. And they haven't really gotten hot in September, with the exception of 2018, and they almost did it. Right? I don't think we were blown away by this team in 2018 at this time of the year. Remember, they lost five in a row to the Pirates going into the All-Star break. So, yeah, some of these games are frustrating, and it seems like they don't really have it figured out yet. Maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're going to lose in the first round of playoffs. Maybe they missed the playoffs. But it's really hard on this day to know that, so I'm just not going to dwell on it. Right? We're going to talk about the games, get excited about the wins, talk about what went wrong in the losses, but we don't need to go any deeper than that. Okay. Without any further ado, oh yeah, baby, it's Thursday, which means we turn on some swanky jazz music, pour ourselves a martini. Mm. Yeah, that's water, but you get the point. And we talk about the league. We talk about the association. This is going to be our last NBA lounge until either the season almost starts in the fall 
or there's some crazy trade like Kyrie goes here and Anthony Davis goes here, then maybe we can do an emergency NBA lounge. But this is the last of the regular scheduled NBA lounges for uh, for this season. Without further ado, here we go. Our Big Ten only NBA draft preview. Great year for us as Big Ten fans. Yeah, maybe we don't own the tournament, but we do okay in the lottery. A lot of prospects. Now, the top three is going to be Palo, Chet, and Jabari Smith in some order. Woj was cocking off on Twitter about it this morning. I muted him. I muted Shams. I don't want the spoilers. Don't tell me. Okay? After those top three picks, assuming that nothing crazy happens, which according to Woj doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, then things get interesting. And that's where the Big Ten folks like us step up to the door and we're like, all right, see what you got. Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray. Jaden Ivey from Purdue, Keegan Murray from Iowa. He really got hot in the latter part of the year. Great in the Big Ten tournament. These guys could go 4-5 or 4-6 or 5-6 or something like that. So let's talk about Jaden Ivey first. In the last week or so, I've noticed that he's really jumping up draft boards. Not that he was ever low, but he's been lumped in as almost a fourth member of Tier 1. Right, He's minus 220 to go fourth tonight. Whether that's Sacramento or whether they trade the pick, it seems like Jaden Ivey is the fourth guy. Sometimes guys shoot up draft boards and it's not really clear why, especially in the NFL. They don't play any games. Yeah, they do the combine, but why would someone go from the 30th overall pick to the sixth? What what happened? Sometimes it's not always that clear. With Jaden Ivey, I get it. Right, We watched him. We know that he's special. He's an attacking guard. He's so fast. If you ask a scout about Jaden Ivey, you'd probably hear words like movement, big movement. He moves differently, right? Dynamic. He's just, he's got something to him where he pops off the screen. He's dynamic, explosive, or he's got great burst, just fast. Or he's a really fast guard. That's a simple way of putting it. Downhill. He plays downhill, right? Matt Painter and the Purdue offense, they'd use ball screens and handoffs and every sort of action at the top of the key to get him going towards the basket. And even when he didn't have the ball, he'd cut towards the hoop without the ball too. He's pretty good at that. His issues aren't natural physical gifts and abilities. Shot selection, right? He'll pass up good looks in favor of tougher ones. He might pass up a really open mid-range jumper to drive into traffic and take a contested look at the rim. Right? Which, when you're confident in your ability, and Jaden Ivey has every reason to be, right? I get, but something you got to work on once you get to the NBA level. Not great feel as a passer. Not bad as a passer. About three assists per game. Falls asleep on defense and isn't technically a great on-ball defender. Now, he's got all the tools, the athleticism, but maybe needs to be honed a little bit. Those issues should be fixable, right? Shot selection, falling asleep on defense, passing. You can work with all that. Also, he was playing with Zach Eady in his way, right? So if he's attacking, if he's trying to get to the rim and you got a nine-foot guy with no touch and no skill around the rim, sorry, Zach Eady, that's going to make your life tougher, right? Uh, I I really like this comment from Sam Vecini in The Athletic. He said, (laughs) the floor is something like Eric Bledsoe without the elite defense. Which I love. I got a kick out of that. I think he'll be better than that. I hope he'll be better than that. Again, all the physical tools are there. And the physical tools and traits are something that you can't teach. Kids either have that stuff or they don't. My take. The Kings should take him at four. I don't care that they already have De'Aaron Fox. They drafted Davion Mitchell last year. I don't care. Right? 
However, because of a glut at the point guard position, I kind of am afraid that the Kings will trade this pick or possibly take another guy. And if they take another guy, it might not be the worst thing in the world because I think the next guy might be Keegan Murray. Another Big Ten guy. Working down the big board. Murray is plus 155 to go fourth, plus 115 to go fifth. He's the favorite in that draft spot. Sacramento maybe trades down or takes him at four. Maybe Detroit gets him. Luca Garza already a piston. Pair, pair Keegan Murray with him, huh? Well, no? All right. Maybe not. Late bloomer. You see that on every draft guide you're going to look at, every scouting report. Late bloomer, late bloomer, late bloomer. You see that all over the place. He took a gap year after high school to go to DME Academy in Tampa, Florida to work on his game. He's not just a late bloomer. He's like a late, late bloomer. He's the exact opposite of Jaden Ivey. He's not the athlete that Ivey is. He's not fast or explosive or twitchy. I still don't know what that means, but it's a word that people use, so I'm going to use it. Not twitchy. He's simply an above average athlete, right? And if you ask a scout about Keegan Murray, a lot of buzzwords that I saw when I was reading about him, body control, great at controlling his body. I don't need to explain that. I don't know why I went deeper into that. Uses pace well, right? Slowing down, speeding up, controlling pace, poise, very comfortable, right? Never in a hurry, never in a rush. Hesitation in a good way. Right, and that's part of speeding up and slowing down. Good bend is in flexibility, right? He can lean and go one way and the other without losing his balance and falling over. Great post player, really efficient in his shot making and shot taking. And he's an effective player in the post. Down low, among the 439 players in college basketball to have at least 50 possessions on the block, Murray was the most efficient scorer in the country, shooting 63% on such shots while also drawing fouls 26% of the time in the post. That's from Synergy. He's a very efficient, effective player in the post. The way I see it, and this is my summary, I'm not ripping off a draft scout when I say this, he's got the game of an old man. Wily old vet doesn't need to go faster than you, doesn't need to be stronger than you. He knows how to use his body and manipulate everyone on the floor. And that's fun. Completely different from... Jaden Ivy. So two guys that could go four, five. I think Ivy will go first. That's what the betting market said, at least this morning. I didn't check him at work. Uh, I open up FanDuel and sometimes my work computer blocks me. I don't know if my boss and our IT department thinks I'm betting. Um, I don't have money to spend. <laughs> I, it's not because I don't make enough. I make enough to sports bet. This is not complaining about my paycheck. I just spend money on stupid other things uh, other than sports betting. Johnny Davis, let's talk about him. He'll probably be the next Big Ten player off the board. Max Christie's somewhere in there, but Johnny Davis will go first. Think of him as a guard, a big one. We obviously watched him with Wisconsin. I tried to today flush all of my preconceived notions about him and then just read what other people said. So today I'm like, let's pretend I've never seen Johnny Davis play before and I will watch and read and listen to what other people have said, right? Maybe that'll give me a better way of analyzing it. I don't know. I thought, right? A lot of things that I, uh, or things that I saw a lot. Loves to get to the rim. Very comfortable working in crowds. Made 57% of his shots at the basket in half court settings, which is really, really good. Good defender, both in attitude and in practice, especially on ball, right? That's a great foundation as a rookie. If you can come into the NBA and go nose to nose with a guy and hold your own, that's a great start. 
Now, you're still going to have to learn the defensive schemes and positioning and rotation, and that comes in time. Nobody's coming into the NBA understanding that, but if you can hold your own on ball, you're not going to get picked on as much. And that's a huge advantage, especially if you go to a team that's trying to contend sooner rather than later. Johnny Davis isn't going to go to a team that's trying to go to the finals next year. Chances are, maybe, but chances are. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, But coming into the league, being able to hold your own as an on-ball defender, really important. Not a lot of kids can do that. Uh, Some of my favorite tidbits I found, Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, called him a daring playmaker. I enjoyed that. Sam Vicenni said, strong and fearless as a driver. He is very fearless. Now, the weaknesses on the scouting reports. I think these are very important, and maybe this is something we talked about over the last year. Maybe not, right? Lack of separation. He's not great at using a dribble move or his footwork to create space to get his shot off. Instead, he uses his strength, good bounce, good ability to rise up and get good lift, twitchy, explosive, get off the ground and shoot over people and shoot amidst people, right? Like a flower shooting up through the weeds. Yeah, that that makes sense. (laughs) So he didn't always need to separate, but last year when he hurt his ankle, that damaged his ability to rise up a little bit. And now all of a sudden his inability to separate becomes a little bit more important. He's also a ball stopper on offense, which I don't really blame him for because, I mean, oh, I got to swing the ball to Ben Carlson. Like, no, who's he swinging it to? You know what I mean? He was everything on offense. Of course, the ball stopped with him. The margin for error in his game is slim, right? Got to round out, add more, which will be easier to do in the NBA for those skeptics that are listening. Um, and fit in wherever he's going. Now, he could go to a really poor team the same way that Jalen Green went to the Rockets last year. And basically, you get a free year to just do whatever you want. Go out there and learn. Jack up shots, run the offense, do everything yourself. It doesn't matter this year. Maybe Johnny ends up in a spot like that. I'm thinking the Wizards, the Spurs, or maybe one contending team that one Evan Flood tweeted about today, a destination in the Western Conference that I find very intriguing. We'll talk about that coming up next and preview a couple of guys that maybe the Bucks are interested in. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Wisco Sports Show. Last couple of minutes. My name is Grant Bills. Got a tweet here from Hunter uh, who said I lost him with the NBA Lounge. Oh, okay. We didn't talk golf today. We didn't talk hockey today. I do occasionally, occasionally, rarely have to talk about things that aren't the Brewers. Like I do, I, I, I can't do the Brewers for two hours every day. Well, I could, but it would suck. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. You don't want to listen to that. We're doing a little NBA draft preview. You did some Big Ten prospects. I thought I'd keep it light, keep it local, keep it fun. Now we're going to keep it even more local, hyper-local with Johnny Davis, right? I I think we know what Johnny Davis is good at. I was really trying to go out of my way today to read from others, more impartial followers of basketball and journalists and analysts. I was going out of my way to read what people's criticisms of him were, right? And there seemed to be two big ones. Somewhat limited on offense, especially in his lack of ability to separate, right? Getting his shot, taking his shot, that was never a question. We saw how he could score last year, but got to be able to separate. A lot of Johnny's shots came from 
just rising up because he's a little bit oversized for the position that he played. So he could rise up and shoot over. In the NBA, that's going to be tougher. And what if you bum your ankle for a week or two and now you can't rise up as high, right? So margin for error in his game is a little thin in that department because if you can't get can't get up in the air, you can't get your shot off. It doesn't matter how good of a shooter you are because you're going to get blocked. You're going to get defended. Also, a little bit of a ball stopper on offense at Wisconsin, but he was there everything on offense. So of course, the ball was going to stop with him. Again, it's not like he's going to swing it to Ben Carlson instead of rising up and taking a mid-range jumper that he likes. So those are things that you can iron out in the NBA for sure. That's where you go to work on things. That's the next level. And we've gotten some calls and texts from folks saying, we should have stayed and worked on this. No, 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 no. You have an opportunity to go, go and then work on those things with your new coaches and trainers in your arena when it's your year-round job, right? We didn't talk about Malachi Branham or uh, Barnum, excuse me, or Branham or however the heck you say it. I'm really struggling with that today. Not a guy that we expected to go one and done, right? Lead perimeter guy for Ohio State by the end of the season last year. We saw that really good natural shot maker, shot taker, shot 60% on shots out of ball screens. Mechanically, it's all so pure, right? And then EJ Liddell, his teammate, Ohio State for three years, he's 21, developed a little every year, big frame, value defense, can switch. He, at one point this season, defended both Coburn really well, and then in another game, Paolo Bancaro. So he's versatile, right? And he can be a spot-up shooter. So I'm so interested in watching these two guys and how their careers are going to go, Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell, because they're opposites, right? Do you value shot-making above all else? Figure out the rest later. Or do you want someone who's well-rounded, can do the little things, and be a helpful role player right away? I think Liddell is an option for the Bucs in the first round. Very Grant Williams-esque in the role that he would play. You could switch and be a small five, be... (laughs) Be a pork chop on legs on defense. Eat minutes, take some of the beating off of Giannis, uh, and be a rotation player who can knock down some threes. That would be EJ Liddell. I like that for the Bucs. My guy that I'm after, and Sully from Menominee, is in on this too because I know he's an Arizona guy. I want Dalen Terry. He's almost 6'6", but he can run the floor as a point guard. Really good vision. Shot 37% on spot-up threes. Now I can't speak. I love that combo. I love that collection of skills to fit into a Bucks team that's already really long and good defensively. A guy that can get a rebound and go out and run. Brooke Lopez isn't eating a lot of rebounds. Giannis is eating a lot of rebounds. So imagine Giannis and Dale and Terry, who's 6'6", and he's still only 19. These guys are pulling down rebounds amidst bigger guys, and then they're turning to look and run. You don't have to get it to Drew Holiday or a point guard. Giannis can run. Dale and Terry could run and go while the floor in front of them spaces, right? He had a three-to-one turnover assist ratio at Arizona. He was second on the team with 3.9 assists per game. I really like the idea of Dale and Terry as a wing. Uh, if Ty Ty Washington were to fall from Kentucky, I could uh, I could use a young, skilled point guard to develop behind Drew Holiday. Right, the in-between game is there. Can cut up teams in the mid-range, shoot little floaters, good outside shooter as well. I'd take that. If we're going to go big, I'd rather not. But Walker Kessler is intriguing. Also, um, really good shot blocker. So he had the highest block rate in college since Larry Sanders in 2008. Right, and if they go that route, they better believe that he can develop and be a functional outside shooter and not just a drop defense center. Um, I want to give you a word of caution on the idea that the Bucs are just going to find another Brooke Lopez. I want to read you this excerpt from Eric Name. 
Quote, it's been interesting to watch people suggest Kessler can just join the Brooke Lopez apprenticeship program and become Brooke Lopez. Sorry for the brief detour. This is from a bigger article. But I want to explain what I think is a baseline misunderstanding of what makes Brooke Lopez so valuable to the Bucks. It isn't just that he can protect the rim. He can protect the rim while eating up bodies on the glass to let Giannis grab easy rebounds. It isn't that he can just shoot threes. He can shoot threes, and that was a big part of his role in the first Bucks playoff run. But now he has moved back towards the basket. During the championship run, he was incredibly valuable because he protected the rim. But he also had so much offensive skill that he could shoot threes or hit the offensive glass or post up or fill the dunker spot, depending on what you needed for that particular matchup. His offensive skill set paired with his defensive skill set doesn't just make him a high quality role player. The combination of those skills makes him a unicorn role player. Searching for the next Brook Lopez or trying to train the next Brook Lopez is almost certainly going to fail because there isn't going to be another 7-foot, 280-pound center that can do all of the things that Lopez does on both sides of the ball. First of all, Eric Name, the athletic, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like the idea of the Bucks using one of their few first-round picks of the next however many years on a center who at their best is going to be, I mean, Al Horford's a bad example because Al Horford is really good for the Celtics. But I I don't want, best case scenario, a guy who's going to be a good drop defender who can hit some threes. I want more than that. I want a wing, right? Unless there's an elite guard that falls or you want to go EJ Liddell because he could probably help right away. I want a wing. I'd love Dale and Terry, right? The guy from Arkansas whose name eludes me. I thought I could write it down, and I don't remember it, but you all know who I'm talking about. I would take him as well. Fine, I'll look. Do we have the time? We don't have the time. Johnny Davis tonight. Uh, by the way, what I'm looking for really quickly, remember Zach Heilprin and Ben Kenny coming up next. They're going to talk more about it. I love the idea of him going to San Antonio, uh, play with DeJounte Murray. I think that would be awesome. That wouldn't overwhelm Johnny Davis with too much ball handling right away. Uh, I also love the idea of Washington because he could play with Bradley Beal, although that's really the only reason I don't really believe in Washington as an organization, so I'd prefer San Antonio. Watch Denver. I think Denver might have something up their sleeve tonight. They might be looking to jump. They might be looking to trade up. And if Johnny Davis could go to Denver and become a guy who pours an instant offense off the bench, intriguing. Very intriguing. Enjoy the NBA draft tonight. Kenny and Heilprin up next.